0: This is the Bob McCown podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sports book app today. Dave Hodge in for Bob. Happy Monday, everybody. David, it's just something a little different today. Um, Maybe it's just because we're old and we, we like to talk about the old days or why things aren't the same, but uh, uh, a couple of weeks back when the New York times decided to close its sports department and use the athletic as a, as a pull out or a section within the newspaper, I we saw some really negative reaction to the decision by some really important people, including Bob Ryan and Ray Ratto. So I thought we'd give a, give them the stage and the opportunity to talk about it today, but it it's, it has to be concerning at some point, what, what is right and what is wrong with sports media and sports journalism, doesn't it?
1: Uh, before I, uh, I answer that. Uh, Obviously, it's uh, it, it's troublesome, um, but I want to make sure I don't say hi to Bob and Ray in that order, because <laughs> well, now you now hold on, hold on. Now you're showing your age, pal. <laughs> oh, I would be accused of remembering one of radio and TV's most famous comedy duos. Uh, you're old enough, John, apparently, because uh, you'd laugh and fake sportscasters. If you remember that much about Bob Elliott. Uh, and Ray Goulding, uh, Bob was Biff Burns, and Ray was Steve Bosco, and um, uh, I mean the Biff Burns line was was famous. Uh, you know, this is Biff Burns saying, "Until next time, this is Biff Burns." <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I'm gonna, if if it comes to that, I'm gonna say hi to Ray and Bob. If, uh, if that's okay. But sure, our, our business, uh, I mean, I, I started in 1965. And uh, here we are in 2023. And we haven't got enough time to count uh, all the differences. Um, obviously, I think, and I'm guessing Bob and Ray think, sorry, Ray and Bob. Ray think Bob, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that the way it was in their prime was better than the way it is now um, but that's true for a lot of people uh, our age. Uh, I think that um, I think that our business is in trouble everywhere you look um, a lot of a lot of the reason is financial, but a lot of the reason can be um, what what the uh, what the audience or the reader the consumer whatever um, yeah. demands where, before, there were demands that we had to meet. Well, uh, I don't know that there are any now. Yeah.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, the one, the one positive out of this is that uh, people have had to, sorry, I'm sorry for this, people have had to evolve in our industry. Uh, and um, which is one of the reasons why a podcast like this can, can actually exist with simple, in theory, simple technology. By the way, anybody, usually I usually say anybody under 40 will just Google Bob and Ray. I think I have to say anybody under 60 now should Google Bob and Ray. But uh, that's uh that it, it it brings up a I think the story of the day for me is is what's happening and what's going on and why it's happened in sports media. So that's Ray Rattle from San Francisco, Bob Ryan from Boston with David Me on the McCowan podcast.
2: Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP, because you'll earn both loyalty-level points and bonus store points on every real-money wager you make. You must be 19-plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast. Dave Hodge in for
0: Bob joined now by, uh, this is our coastal show, I think, uh, uh, Ray uh, Rado's in San Francisco, um, and Bob Ryan is in Boston, and uh, the genesis of this conversation all started when uh, we all heard and read that the New York Times was shutting down its sports department and replacing it with uh, the content that they, we assume they're replacing it with the content they bought with The Athletic, and it uh, got me to thinking about where, what is the future of sports journalism, sports writing, local sports writing. Um, and Bob, I'll go to you first. Just your thoughts of uh, what happened that day and uh, what we expect to see in the in the future.
3: I see two different things that confuse me uh, because of it. One is that the Times having uh, <clears throat> bought the Athletic, or whatever, or whoever bought whom. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, Times bought the Athletic. Um, uh, you could see that some, that there was a purpose down the road. What it was, we weren't sure. Times has abandoned. They ab- they gave up in a sense. They abandoned local coverage a decade ago. The New York times sports section has not been a traditional sports section for uh, at least 10 years. Uh, they gave up covering local teams. It's a jo- it's a daily magazine. That's all it is. And they, and they don't even have a pullout section except on Mondays sports Monday. They, they, compressed the sports section back in as if it were 18, you know, 78. And, and unlike almost every other major publication in North America, uh, they, they, they did not have a standout uh, pull-out sports section on a daily basis. The time, the LA times, what is this? I don't get it. Right. Can you tell me maybe it's a West coast thing. I don't know. They, they sold the presses and because they sold the presses, the new owners are having a 3.00 PM deadline. Hence they can't cover anything after 3.00 PM. Uh, what am I missing here? Is is this an oversimplification or or is this an astonishing reality? What is it? I don't know.
4: Um, Astonishing maybe not because the San Francisco Chronicle went to a pre-night game deadline as well. Uh Um, Just because one, they don't want to pay truck drivers overtime. And two, they don't want to have to worry about uh, games that last, uh, you know, once the sun goes down. So yeah, I think it's probably a West Coast thing for now, but I think it's it's heading that way for everybody. In fact, you'd be you guys would be better sources on whether this is becoming an East Coast thing as well. But I know that you know the two biggest papers on the West Coast have basically just said night games don't exist. You're on your own. Now concurrent with this. <clears throat> is the abandonment of the traditional game story
3: uh now the we have we still have two functioning papers in boston the boston herald and the boston globe and the boston herald for the most part abandoned the traditional game stories uh in favor of of you know just kind of commentary if you will nightly. and the globe um has pretty much abandoned it too uh with observations you get a little uh, and you get a uh, uh, a little treatise at the top about the who, what, when and about the game. And then you get observations. You don't get the beginning, middle, and an end. An essay. Uh, I used to, when I covered teams, uh, I used to look at stories as a theater critic. I, I, I wanted to tell you uh, what you missed if you weren't there and, and and enhance the experience if you were, if it happened to be something worth enhancing. And uh, with, with my glorious prose, you know, and, and, and my <laughs> expeditious use of quotes it's, instead of, and, and uh, that was my concept. But that's apparently that's dying everywhere. and I, I lament that sincerely because and frankly, I, I, I'm proudest of whatever I may have accomplished in this business, the thing I'm most proud of is being a literally literary on deadline and and nobody has to worry about that anymore. They can just be sloppy on deadline. Nobody cares about about precise writing anymore on sports and, and game stories.
1: Well, uh, first, I would like to thank you for the opportunity to talk about the future. Um, I'm usually remem- remembering the past, and um, I'm the oldest here. Uh, that's <laughs> my that's my uh, version of investigative reporting uh, to start with. Uh, but following Bob's uh, uh, comments, my love of sports casting, sports reporting was was rooted in the love of the game. Uh, who won, who lost, and why, uh, long before the Kevin Costner movie, for the love of the game, was was why I did what I did. Today, you can see highlight packages that show the most exciting plays. Uh, they don't even have to refer to the outcome of the game. I never wanted to explain salary caps. They didn't exist at the beginning. I wish they didn't exist now, uh, but now that's for a business reporter. I didn't need a law degree. To cover sports, uh, it would help now. Uh, sports talk is now a lot of e-talk. Entertainment reporters do that best. Uh, newspapers uh, may not exist uh, if we can live long enough. Uh, radio, uh, as far as sports is concerned, same thing. But fans are exposed to sports reporting of the best kind in a lot of other ways. And that's, I guess, what we're here to talk about, what the future will look like. And whether it'll be better than what the past has been for all of us,
0: I guess. I guess the thing for me, uh, Ray, is um, uh, why? Why? Why has this happened? You, you, you've witnessed this. You've let, let's face it, you've lived it as well. Why has this happened? There are there there are if not more consumers than ever before for sports, but it seems that. The the soft tissue of what is sports broadcasting, sports journalism
4: seems to be the first thing that goes. Well, it's mostly money. That's a huge surprise as an answer. But sports departments are the least predictable part of a, a newspaper, at least now. And so they're trying to take out the element of whatever surprise happens at night just because it's more efficient to wrap everything up by 5 p.m. The second thing is that I think most people who own newspapers now are ashamed to own them. And so they look at how they consume sports, which is watch chunks of a game zone if you're a football fan and not have to sit through three hours of whatever So I think it's just, they've decided how they consume sports and decide that everybody wants to do that and can back that up with efficiency experts who say, well, if you don't have to keep the presses running till 1 a.m., you can save X amount of dollars. So I think it's mostly that more than anything else because the people who run newspapers now are not people who were steeped in newspapers. They were steeped in business and there is far more money to be made if you don't get if you don't get the broadcast rights in truncating everything as much as possible so that you can be done earlier and nobody's getting overtime it's you know it it's the same reason why you know most places now don't travel regularly with the teams they cover mm-hmm. and in some cases don't cover teams at all so i think it's mostly economy based on laziness which is sort of a metaphor for business in the 21st century. Well, I would never discount the follow uh, the, the money theory
3: and uh, anything. I understand that, but there's something else here as well. Technology. It's just as simple as that. The, this generate uh, just generation and these and and, and all succeeding generate will consume sports in a different way than we did. Uh, I'll go back just for example the. My my seminal year in Boston as a, a, young, as a uh, was was in 1967. I was uh, um, in between my junior and senior year at Boston College. I had a job in the city uh, and uh, working for the, the city, and that was the year the Red, 67 Red Sox broke forth. There were two ways to follow the team in general terms. Two ways. One was the newspaper, and the other was radio. They televised approximately 50 games that year out of the 162, and most of them were on weekends. So uh, television was a, an adjunct. It wasn't the primary focus. It was all about two things print, paper, and radio and play by play. And and print ruled. Print ruled into the 80s, print ruled into the early 90s. What what, what happened? What happened was the internet happened. That's what happened. And that's what killed newspapers are killing and it has killed them and, and reduced them and, and it's changing everything. And, and all the different ways that people can consume sports now with, with, we, we alluded to talk shows and, and TV pop talk and head shows and highlight stuff. And look at the red zone in football. People don't have the people, millions of people, not myself, but millions of people wouldn't think of watching a, a, a game on Sunday uh, other than their own home team because they can watch the red zone. So that's the way of the world. so combine that with what Ray just talked about, which makes perfect sense and you got your answers yeah it's it's a combination of those two things
1: well it's it's the way of the world and um, you know Netflix is a sports channel if you <laughs> if you want to consider it that and uh, does great work. Uh, people get interested in f one and golf and tennis and uh, all sorts of things by watching uh, Netflix documentaries but I, I think we're here to lament uh, what is happening to uh, what what we'll call investigative reporting that used to and uh, seldom now does appear in newspapers. I mean, Larry Nasser is in jail uh, because of the Indianapolis Star. Uh, we know about the grimy world of of steroids because of Balco and and the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, Penn State. Now Northwestern, I mean, it's local papers. It's even student newspapers that that look and uncover these things. And what are we risking if they all go out of business? Well, that has been that that we've worried about
3: that for a number of years now, Dave. You're right, and, and I'm glad you cited Northwestern because Northwestern, though that was a student newspaper, to the best of my knowledge, it exposed this, which is a phenomenal What, what a wonderful story! It warms my heart, you know, as a as a newspaper lifer, and and uh, it shows you the value of it. Um, yeah, who's, but I, I would disagree a little bit. And uh, uh, in, in general, to what we're talking about here, what, what you're not going to lose, there's going to be investigative journalism of some kind. There's going to be a uh, oh, big uh, uh, sort of, what, what we're losing is is the, uh, uh, and, and you know, if and people obviously don't care as much, is is the, the coverage of teams, the day to day, the day to day coverage of teams. I mean, which if you were living in New York and you only watch, read the New York Times, you would have no idea what's going on in sports and in, 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 your, in your city. If, if uh, you need, the best sports section left in America, quite frankly, is the New York Post. And they are still giving, giving us a comprehensive, old school uh, coverage of all their teams, plus college, Plus the world, not so much. And and I mean, hey, you know, they were at the at the Open. We used to be have we used to have two people at the Open. I went to six British Opens uh, while I was covering a co- as a columnist from 1997 until approximately 2010, and uh, 2006, excuse me. And uh, uh, and now we we don't cover them, and nobody's very very few American papers, I'm sure, covered the Open. But but God bless the t- the Post. Mark Canizaro was there, and and so they they're still keeper of the flame. Who would have thought? Right. The New York Post. Well, guess what? Whatever you think of the rest of the paper, the sports section is is the gold standard right now in American sports, as far as I can see.
0: To Bob's point, Ray, um, uh, game coverage now, in many ways, has been left to the teams to cover themselves. So you're going to get some sort of antiseptic coverage of, 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 of games. And, and
4: And that has to be a concern at some point, isn't it? Bob alluded to this earlier. The way he covered the Celtics required not only sort of institutional knowledge, which means you have to have somebody on the beat for a number of years, to the wit and the drive to make stories that are more than just um, gamers. Um, And Bob was as good at that as anybody ever. And that too requires A, time and B, knowledge, both of which are more expensive than putting up a highlights package which is why i go back to the money it's that the things that made sports fans sports fans Hmm. are now in shorter supply and and all the studies that seem to show that fewer and fewer young people are interested in sports period is part of this it's it's the inexorable grind toward a post-apocalyptic world of of sports coverage, where the driving force is not game coverage, but, you know, contract rumors and, you know, covering the sale of a team. I mean, today's big story in sports, at least as of 9.15 a.m. West Coast time, is Kylian Mbappe being offered up to a billion dollars to play one year of soccer in Saudi Arabia. A billion I mean, and that's the thing that drives conversations now because a, it's happened during the day, and b, because you don't have to wait for it. You can fire out a rumor based on you know whatever agent you know fed it to you five minutes ago, and you've got journalism. And that seems to be what most people in charge believe is sports coverage now.
1: Well, uh, coverage of teams. Uh when i began uh the worst label that uh that i could have and i tried very hard not to have it was homer uh and i think then uh sports fans wanted to know what was going on with their local teams be it good or bad they wanted balanced reporting and if the team was winning tell them why if the team was losing tell them why and be prepared to criticize and the fans Uh, were were able to accept the information uh, if it was factual and could be proven as such. Today, I mean, there are homers all over the place. And I don't think the fans want anything different. Uh, In fact, the fans want to be their own uh, journalists in terms of what's right and what's wrong. I mean, we could widen this to discuss the future of journalism because... You know, you, you, there are people out there who won't believe anything that can be proven true because they believe something that is ridiculously false. Uh, and I, I think these days I think I think fans uh, they they want to decide for themselves, they want to be their own journalists. I mean imagine if our audiences demanded that we believe them instead of us trying to make them believe believe us. I think I, I think it's switched in a lot of ways, and we've got a hard time. Uh, trying to establish our credibility when before I think it was assumed that we would be credible uh, as long as it was proven that we weren't. Um, I think it's a real difficult time now to give people information that they don't want to hear.
0: <laughs> well, well, well let, but let me ask, like Bob, you know, in in the, in our hockey world. Um, you know, local broadcasts on television, for instance, Um, I mean, Jack Edwards in Boston is one of the greatest homers of all time. And and he takes it as a, he he takes it as a a badge. He thinks it's great. But if you're writing for a paper in Boston or a website in Boston, are you expected to be a
3: homer or are you expected to be um, fair? Well, I'd like to think that you're expected to be fair. I will say this, uh, the most uh, hot take, the hot uh, item columnist in town is Dan Shaughnessy, and and Dan uh, lo- takes, loves to poke fun at at uh, over enthusiastic fans when they, when they're un- unrealistic, you know, kind of thing. I mean, he 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 loves to take shots at what he calls the yahoos, and and they in turn love to take pot shots back at him, claiming that he's hundred percent negative. Well, he's probably only about you know sixty nine and a half percent, but but not a hundred. But but uh, he does. Um, but you' right, he because of his approach, um you know he is very passionate fans and he has very passionate uh, enemies and uh, but but he's red that's he's red and people you know they read him whether they'd love, yeah, that that's the key but um uh, so i don't I, I don't know for sure i I know uh, when I you know I, my years were uh, on the beat were from sixty nine to to eighty eight and and three different stints of seven four and two two and a half years and uh, see here that my I was fortunate in that my teams that I covered were almost universally good, good to great. I covered, you know, and and uh, uh, so you the, the you, you it was an upbeat circumstance. It was and, and I didn't have to deal with excessive negativity. There Two really only two bad years out of all those years, and 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 um, so it 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 was different. I think it does depend. if you're if you're stuck covering a a, lot, a terrible team uh, uh, year after year. I don't know. What, I don't know how that you know wears, and, but I know I was fortunate in that I, I was writing writing for a clientele that that was getting rewarded by the team's performance, and and it was my pleasure to try to enhance that experience for them. Was that a classic case of shooting the messenger, Dave? When
0: you uh, when because well, when Bob talks about following a uh, a losing team, I, I I don't think anybody followed a losing team better than you did when you were
1: covering the Maple Leafs in the '80s. Well, maybe more instead of better. I don't know. That's for somebody else to decide. But, I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs, as we all know, uh, haven't uh, won the Stanley Cup since 1967. The Toronto Argonauts of the CFL had a drought that was almost as long before it ended in 1982, I believe. Um, Now, the Blue Jays have had two World Series titles, but they've had uh, bad years in there as well. Uh, Toronto is not known as uh, as as the city that produces champions. And um, in covering this city for uh, a lot of years, um, I've said more negative things than positive things. And managers and owners of teams have wondered why. And I've said, if you want more positive coverage, win more games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense to me. Uh, for them, uh, they think it should be automatic that the approach begins as a positive one and uh, ends even in a loss as with whatever is uh, positive it can be taken out of that loss. I mean, they just don't look at it the same way. But as I say, the listeners, the viewers, the readers, um, I-, I think are different. Uh, these days, uh, you know, I think they consume things differently from different sources. They can be their own reporters if they want. Um, there's a there's a Frank DeFord quote that I think uh, fits right here when he said, uh, suddenly pitchers can only go six innings and readers can only go six paragraphs. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's just not the appetite for uh, either the long form interview Uh, or the long form uh, story. So, um, and I mean, people read emails the same way, you know, if you put put 10 lines in an email, lots of people that only read the first one, and they miss the the nine others that really are the reason for sending it. So um, I don't know how we change that. So before we go to break here, uh, Ray, uh, over the years,
0: because of you know, the, the shorter attention span of fans is, has your writing changed? Has your, has your style changed? Uh, or has your content changed? No,
4: the hell with them. <laughs> um, the athletic basically wanted to cover every team in every sport. And so they had people doing that. And within a year they abandoned it because they found that if you're covering a bad team, you don't get followed as much. And because they don't know journalism, but they know how to count, they would say, well, the places that don't get as many clicks, we'll just stop doing that. And, you know, it came less about, you know, sort of replacing newspapers, which was their original plan, to let's figure out how to sell this thing and get to our island in the Caribbean quicker. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it is as good an example of, how team coverage is dismissed, if not by fans, then certainly by the people who are supposed to be providing. You know, it's interesting as you speak, Ray, I think back that,
3: was that not the uh, path that the, uh, the, uh, um the national took 30 years ago, mm-hmm. that their original intention when the national came into being was they it was to cover local teams extensively. And they, and that, that, they found out it was a losing proposition in, in, in that world. And, and and of course the paper didn't make it. in the third year. It was, but uh, but the, but so you would think that lesson might have been learned by the athletic, but apparently not.
0: We're with, uh, we're, we're, with we're, we're we're just. Oh, I'm sorry. Before you, I'll let I'll let you comment uh, after the break. Ray Ray Ratto, Bob Ryan, with Dave Hodge, John Shannon, McCown podcast. Back after this. Welcome back. It's Ryan Ratto, Hodge, and Shannon on the McCowan Podcast. Ray, I uh, I cut you off before the break about uh, just responding to uh, uh, Bob's thoughts about why the national failed because they tried to do too much local coverage. I'm assuming
4: correct. Well, then the, there was some significant difference though between the two, which that in that the national was only in about six cities, so it you know. It couldn't do the national scope that The Athletic thought it was going to be able to do. And as a result, um, you know, their problems were more distribution. And when the the guy who owned the uh, national ran out of money in 17 months, mm-hmm. he just closed it. Yeah. Uh, the Athletic could go anywhere because it's the Internet age. It chose to bail out of what their original mission was. Because they could, be at least. and so in that way, it's a little bit different. But the the lesson is the same: that ultimately, you got to be able to pay for this stuff. And if the guy in charge doesn't want to pay for that, you don't get that anymore. You know, I was uh,
0: so so in my time at the NHL office in New York, there was plenty of discussion about um, talking direct to the consumer. You know, getting rid of the that that middle party, which was what local media, what media did as a whole, as opposed to rights holders. Um, and, and you have to wonder, Bob, like what 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 did the players journal and, and those types of things and leagues do to the business that 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 you were in?
3: Oh, it's cataclysmic. And, and uh, uh, the idea that players we used to be able to say uh, 30 years ago, they we are the conduit. For the players be, to communicate with the public, and and they had to go through us. So we and uh, uh, that, what other way could they do it? And now, of course, uh, you know they could they could have their own you know direct contact with the public anytime they want. And and so long before the the, the, the players' journal or anything else came about, you know, I I, I think the pioneer, as I recall, maybe we'll verify or, or refute this. I don't know. Seemed to me the pioneer was Barry Bonds. He was one of the first ones to to. Uh, uh, utilize the new technology to bypass the media and and make his case to the public and uh, um, at least I, I remember him being one of the early ones and uh, you no know, so we all know that now they they, they have their own uh, you know their own communication sort set up that they can go anybody can communicate with anybody so they don't need us in that regard anymore and uh, once upon a time we, they really did uh, and but it so that there's all kinds of interpersonal relationships that 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 uh, um you know not all kinds but those those interpersonal relationships um have been altered uh i i can't imagine covering a team today the way you know i'm so grateful i keep saying i'll say it for the trillionth time here gentlemen i'm glad i did it when i did it yeah. and as well as where i did it but i mean it i can't imagine i know how it was for me i know how i cultivated relationships i know <clears throat> how how you know you did it and i don't see how you can even do it anymore you know, you're not you're not riding the buses. You're you're not in the locker room for an hour and a half before the game, shooting the breeze. Uh, you're not uh, you're not going out to to closing bars, which I certainly can tell you I did. Um, and and in the '70s, particularly, um, it's with these guys, it doesn't happen. I don't know how you get to know anybody, frankly. I have no idea.
1: Well, and, pl- and players don't have to be cooperative, and uh, and many aren't. Um, I mean, there's you know, Marshawn Lynch at the Super Bowl saying, um, <laughs> "I'm only here." so I don't get fined. And um, it's, yeah, it's uh, commonplace for athletes to to say, I got nothing to say. And it's commonplace for coaches, John Tortorella might as well use the best example, um, to say uh, nothing for 20 seconds and then leave. Was it always that way? No, I, I, I think that all of these people, players, coaches, managers, owners felt that cooperating with the media was part of their job and things were better for everybody if there was uh, at least a certain amount of, of cooperation and not cold shoulders or, um, you know, outright get the hell out of my face. So that doesn't help uh, any kind of reporting. And uh, I don't think that's ever getting better.
4: Yeah, the teams and leagues have basically cut out the middleman. Um, and, you know, again, another business decision. Um, in fact, I saw a rumor that Disney is thinking of selling off ES to the various leagues. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm not even going to bother with this anymore. Um, I don't know if that rumor going to happen because it's like every other rumor. It changes a day later. But I think that the idea that sports teams and leagues want any outsiders providing content Mm -hmm. is, if not passe, it's getting there. And the only thing that's going to change that is an economic cataclysm that forces them back to some version of the way things used to be. And like you two guys, I don't see that coming. Just out of curiosity,
0: a curiosity for all three of you then, we'll start with you bob will the consumer will the consumer not demand more or will the consumer just be satisfied with what they're being spoon-fed
3: i think the latter because the 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 the, the habits of of old are gone the habit of reading a news the, the automatic assumption that every american household would have a newspaper or or newspapers depending on the urban area you lived in uh that's gone we we know that it's gone and, and so, um, oh, I think that they'll, they'll, this is what they're used to. And and um, so it's every reason to expect that that it, it's never going to get uh, better and it's, it's it's only going to accelerate. Uh, I, I think this is evident. I don't see how there's any argument against it. Uh, so uh, yeah, I passed it. I, post- I got to tell you, just uh, as an aside here, just to point out where we're coming from, gentlemen, and I know you guys all know this, but the the the, uh, the, the listeners might not, and viewers. Um, in the old days, it was, it was very routine for most of the 20th century for baseball teams in particular to pay for the expenses of the traveling media, newspaper. They paid their travel expenses. And even when I joined the Globe in 1960, became covering the Celtics in 1969, my, our rival, uh, Herald, uh, accepted that largesse from the Celtics. We did not. I, uh, but that was still going on in, in, in my time, quote, unquote. Mm. And, and imagine that. That's how important they felt it was to have the the, the media, yeah, you no know, first of all, the word media didn't exist, the press, specifically, the printed press. And when you and Ray was t- talking about, and that's the thing. the, the marginalization over the years, the gradual uh, uh, d- disrespect shown uh, and and marginalization of the printed press is is, is, is just so dist- you know, it's just so sad, you know, from from losing our courtside seats in basketball uh, and 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 every venue, including college. Uh, and and all kinds of insults, uh, you know. Uh, it it's it's just there's no there's no interest in the printed press. The only thing that matters to them is television. And in Boston, even the Celtics banished their local radio up into the a corner of the end zone, local radio. So forget about it. newspapers. We, we sit with up. They have they're stuck sitting with us. How about that?
0: And, and they and they pay to be there.
3: Yeah. So yeah, that that's where it is here. And 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 actually, in other ways, it's a very enlightened and let, uh, management. I think, you know, but not in this regard. This is their <laughs> not at all. But it's not going to change. There's no. I don't see any hope. You know, Ray. Ray, your thoughts on the consumer?
4: Is he is he going to demand more? Or is he just going to take what he's getting? Thing they can do, which they so far haven't felt the need to, is to stop consuming. Is don't go to the games. Don't the package. Don't get the hundred and ninety dollars sweatshirt, and until that happens, there is no impetus for any of the teams or leagues to change anything. I mean, it's the only thing that will motivate rich folks to do something different, which is when they feel like they're a little less rich. And I mean, the you know the the Charlotte Hornets sold for three billion today. You know, there's still an endless amount of money. So they don't need to worry about coverage. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a minor thing in their world. In the same way that home, home attendance is now less important than it used to be because most of the money comes from media deals, from that, from the Premier League, which makes money than anybody else. You know, it's not about whether the consumer's happy. It's about whether the consumer will keep consuming. And until that changes, we are on the path we're on.
1: Maybe, uh, maybe I'm here to talk about the broadcast media, you too, John. Um, but consider ESPN, since it was mentioned, ESPN Films, uh, ESPN 30 and 30, great stuff, I think we would all agree. ESPN layoffs, horribly disturbing. How do you praise a network that is that is clearing its halls? uh, And how do you criticize a network that uh, invests in in excellent programming? John, what are your thoughts? Uh,
0: Well, you know, to me, this goes back to what both Bob and Ray said right off the top of the show is the amount of money you spend on a 30-minute or an hour-long documentary, um, is it worth it? Will it drive viewership? The bottom line is, is that right now, the only thing that keeps people engaged are games, which is why rights fees have gone up so much. They're, they're DVR, or depending on what country, PVR proof. Uh, they're the only thing left that you can't record to fast forward through the commercials. And that becomes the real reality of what sports television has become right now. Uh, and I it, it's... It's the same thing with it, and it goes back. It goes back to money and attention span. Those are the things that we're dealing with on a regular
1: basis. Well, let me let let me use the TSN example. And for our Canadian uh, viewers, and John, you know very well what I'm going to talk about when uh, I say that there has been sports reporting at its, in my mind, all time best on TSN. Uh, the name Rick Westhead is well known. I presume his work on Kyle Beach and the Chicago Blackhawks the wrongdoings and abuses in Canadian gymnastics, Canadian hockey, Canadian soccer. I mean, nothing short of amazing on a network that depends on all of that uh, for its uh, programming. Uh, So this is a network, this is an industry that is doing everything else to save money and yet it's spending it uh, to produce award-winning material. And um, I mean, my head spins in trying to uh, understand why it has come to be that TSN is is willing to do this, um, and whether it's a good thing when obviously the money being spent uh, to put that stuff on the air is money that's not being spent to pay salaries to people who are no longer employed. It's it it's really
0: it really is um that that for tsn it's really a, a a juxtaposition when you consider that they're partners with the people they've been mm-hmm. they've been criticizing before we uh let both of you go uh i would assume bob the biggest story in sports uh in boston right now is the ups and downs of the red sox
3: fair um it's it's that and uh, yes and, and it's uh uh yeah then it's the red sox the patriots though are still number one in, in the town <laughs> and and um that's the, that shift is the great shift of, of my time here in Boston is they're number one. And, and the the question is to whether, uh, the, the uh, they're, they're going to have a better offense this year after Belichick messed up the whole thing last year with, with the, with his jokes of offensive coordinators, etc. And the other thing is, and this is important, a uh, happy 38th birthday, Patrice Bergeron. Are you going to play, come back and see us next year? That's important here in this town as well. So, uh, Yes, but the Red Sox, of course, always and uh, whether they're going to be buyers or sellers like, like so many other teams in the middle of uh, with that quandary, we're going to find out at the end of this coming week.
0: And and Ray in the Bay Area. Um, I mean, are, I guess it's a finite time period. We're going to talk about the Oakland A's because they're going to be gone soon. And and are, are the Giants a, a factor? or Is it all 49ers? Uh,
4: the A's are an interesting case because. As aggressive as they've been at trying to tell people that they're leaving, there's still a feeling in the Bay Area that they will screw up free money and not get the stadium built in Vegas and then have to come crawling back. I don't think that's a logical end, but their failure in trying to figure out how to move for the last 20 years is pretty profound. Uh, As far as the Giants go, they haven't won since 2014, so they've sort of been on the fringes of the playoffs here and there. So they, they ebb and flow. The two big stories are, are always the 49ers and who their quarterback's going to be this week, and the Warriors and how long their window of opportunity is still open. They are 1-1A they are and 1A and have been for a while now.
0: Well, as long as guys like uh, Bob and you, Ray, are around, um, it's always fun to talk about the big stories, the future of our business, the past of our business, and what goes on in Boston and the Bay Area. We appreciate your time.
4: You're welcome. Thank
0: Bob, you. Bob Ryan, Ray Ratto, Dave and I will be back after this on the McCowan Podcast. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast, and I have waited a month to say this. Look. Meets stop. Just stop. Just be quiet. Wait till you're talked to, okay? Okay. Wait. Look who the cat dragged in. Thank you, Robert McCowan. How yeah. are you, Bob?
2: Well, I got dragged in. That's for sure. <laughs> I I know my voice isn't hundred percent yet. I just hope you can understand most of what I have to say. Hello, Hodge, how are you?
1: I'm uh, I'm well. I'm uh, I'm thrilled to see you here. I'll be even more thrilled when I see you here every day Me too. I'm not part of this anymore because my I mean my days are busy and I thought my busy days were done but here we are I'm helping out uh because uh John asked because yeah. uh, you have asked and um it's 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 a pleasure for as short a time as possible <laughs> now that we can hear your voice and see see you uh see you smile
2: well, thank you very much for all you've done for us. You know, it's much appreciated. Wasn't anticipated, but it's appreciated.
0: What have you been through, Bob?
2: Well, this is a horrible thing. Um, anyone who's had a stroke at any point, and I know a few people who have, I didn't appreciate how difficult it was. And I know it's, it's different for everybody. But um, I had two strokes And uh, Shannon, you were, I think, the first person to come and see me in the hospital Mm -hmm. about two weeks after my first one. I hope you can appreciate the big difference in me over the last month. I couldn't talk at, at all when we first met, and I certainly couldn't walk. And now I'm walking with a cane, and my speech is so much better. It's not perfect by any stretch. But I try. am trying, and I have uh, speech therapy every day, and uh, physical therapy a couple times a week. So there are people still helping me try and get through this. So
0: uh, well, it it, it tell, you know I, I remember sitting with you. I think one of the second or third times I was at the hospital, and you you said to me, "We've got to say something on the air." We've got to tell people what's going on. Because we had basically said you were on injured reserve for the first two two weeks. I remember. And and I said to you, I said, no, it can't come from me. It has to come from you. And so you and your son, Mike, wrote something uh, for Twitter that afternoon. Right. And the reaction, Bob, I, I got to admit, I knew the reaction was going to be huge. But it even shocked me how positive and how large the reaction was.
2: It's been unbelievable. Yeah, God. Well, I got 1.3 million responses to the Twitter, and uh, that's a, I don't know that seems like a big number to me. <laughs> but wait, what I've also had is so many phone calls and tweets and and uh, uh, uh you know, emails from people we all know across North America who have said very nice things about it, about me and, or about, you know, hoping i get better. And I'm so appreciative. I must tell you, it's been unbelievable.
1: Well, Bob, when you get back uh, permanently, will you be uh, warm and fuzzy and kinder and gentler? I sure as hell hope not.
2: (laughs) No, there's not not a damn thing. There's no chance of that happening. Uh, my, you know, a lot of what has happened to me has been new, but one thing that the stroke didn't really affect was my brain. My brain knows what to do. It just has to teach my body how to do it again. So I'll be as curmudgeonly as you like. <laughs> and as always, you well, know, Shannon's laughing. <laughs> I guess he knows I'm I'm still that way for the most part. But I'm so appreciative of all the help I've received. It, even, you know, at the hospital, too. It's been unbelievable. Okay. So been really you've, been, you're,
0: you're, you've been a viewer now. You've, you I know you've been sitting on your yep. sofa watching. What do you think of your baseball team?
2: Um, not much, to tell you the truth. The offense has been horrible. And uh, I can't believe that they can't fix it. The ability to hit with runners on base has been zero. And, uh, it's so frustrating. I didn't even watch yesterday's game. I was so frustrated with the team and their performance, especially in Seattle.
0: And did you get up early and uh, watch the golf yesterday?
2: I did a little bit. Um, it wasn't great to tell you the truth. Uh, it wasn't very competitive, but, uh, you know, it's a British open you watch and, um, well, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, what, uh, so, so,
0: what do you think your prognosis is? And, and how, how what, what, by the way, so what has your progress been like in the last couple of weeks? I think that that's something to well, measure, right?
2: Yeah. You know, there have been a few days where I feel like I have gone backwards or at least haven't gone forward. But most days, the improvement has been very tiny, but quite significant in fact, today, what I noticed is getting up out of a chair, which I've really had a difficult time doing, uh, has been much easier. I My brain has to um, teach my body to do things again. That's really what happens during a stroke. My brain knows what to do or what to say. It just can't make the body do it. So... It's practice, practice, practice. I go for a walk every day. And now I don't use my walker anymore. I'm on my cane. So, you know, the progress has been there. It's just really, really slow and very, very frustrating. And I can understand how many people have in the past, you know, given up on their rehab. Right.
0: Well, I tell you what, I I, I know I speak for whether it's 1.3 million or hundreds of thousands of people, it's great to see you. It's great to hear you. Well,
2: thanks for having I've,
0: me. I've seen I've seen progress, and uh, we might have you back on one day. I
1: well, think I'd your, love to. Your time on the injured list is short, as far as I can see. Uh, well, it's been six weeks so far, Dave. Yeah, um, short from now till I'm no longer here.
2: I hope I hope that's the case. Not that I don't love you, I do. But uh, I really would like to get back on it full time. I just want to get better and have a better voice and be able to communicate. And I mean, ask questions too. What I don't know is whether my brain will let me do that. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's great to see you, Bob.
2: Thanks, boys. Th- thanks. Thanks, thanks so you. much.
0: Thank you for coming on your own show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for keeping it going. Oh, I wow. know the numbers have been pretty good. We're doing okay. You've done a good job.
0: Well, we're missing you, pal. We're missing you. Trust me. Okay.
2: I love you. Bye bye.
0: This is the Macau podcast for a Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. John Gibbons is on.